It's good to see you here tonight. We appreciate so much you being back. Thank you for coming tonight. We appreciate each and every one that comes on a regular basis. And I can just about close my eyes and imagine where each of you are. I just see you in the same seat from week to week, and I guess we are creatures of habit, but I know who sits where, and so if you're not here, we miss you, but we are so grateful that you're here tonight, and thank you for being a part of the church here. We are blessed with so many good people, and we are grateful for, we're thankful for our elders, our deacons, for every member, our Bible class teachers, our song leaders. We've got a lot of great things going on, and it is a collective effort. And so thank you. Thank you for the sacrifices that you make to help in the work here. And we pray that 2022 is going to be a great year. I believe it will be. And I do want to mention very quickly that on the four-year table, I have a copy of all the Bible characters that we'll be looking at in the coming year. And so I would encourage you to take a copy of that you can begin looking at some of the great characters that we're going to be studying. And in one sense of the word, there is no particular order. But to some degree, I have tried to follow what we might call a chronological order. And we're going to be looking at Old and New Testaments to try to vary things up a little bit. The first three lessons, we're going to talk about the Godhead. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we invite you to be a part of that in the coming year, and we hope and pray that it'll be a profitable study. Tonight we're looking, as the passage was read a moment ago, at Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. Now, we've been looking at key chapters in Scripture. This week we're going to be talking about the judgment. Next week in our study we're going to talk about eternity, and that is the eternal realms. And so we're going to Break this up. Tonight we talk about the judgment. And here's, the, here's really the crux of what we're talking about tonight. The judgment is on your calendar. Did you know that? Whether you have penciled it in or not, it's on your calendar. Now, many of us, we have been in a court of law. And we have seen the activities that take place in the courts of our land. One day, however, we're going to stand in God's courtroom. Imagine, if you can, being in the courtroom of Almighty God. And you're going to give an account of how you've lived your life. That's sobering, isn't it? I mean, to think that one day we're going to be in the presence of Almighty God, Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. The passage that we have before us tonight, John in the Revelation talks about this scene. And the idea is that collectively one day we will all stand in God's courtroom. Now you know in the courts of our land when the judge enters the courtroom, people rise. When we stand before Almighty God, we're not going to rise, we'll bow. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. So tonight as we think about the judgment is on your calendar. I want to begin by first of all talking about the Savior who is on the throne. So look if you would with me at Revelation chapter 20, 
Beginning in verse 11, John said, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for him. And John said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. So number one, to understand the authority of our judge. Jesus said in John chapter 5 at verse 22 that the Father has committed all judgment into His hands. In verse 27 He would say, the Father has given the Son authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Now many of us are familiar with the television show Judge Judy. We're not going to be in Judge Judy's courtroom, but we're going to be in the courtroom of Jesus. And He's the one that will judge us. And there are a couple of thoughts that I think maybe we ought to consider in our study. Number one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in His judgment of the human family, that would include us, He will be impartial in judging. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, there is no partiality with God. It doesn't matter who the person might be. It doesn't matter what their status might be. You remember back in Revelation chapter 1, John said, talking about Jesus, that He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. So when we talk about entering God's courtroom and standing before Judge Jesus, to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ will be impartial. There's a passage found in the book of Genesis chapter 18, in about verse 25, and here's what Abraham said about God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now listen, sometimes in the courts of our land, and when we talk about our judicial process, there are times when Sadly, justice does not prevail. And there are courts in our land that have been partial, depending on who it might be in the courtroom. Well, let me tell you what, I don't care if you are a president, a senator, it doesn't matter if you're a congressperson, a king, a queen, a corporate judge, doesn't matter. We'll all stand before God, and we will stand before an impartial judge. Not only is Jesus impartial, He is infallible. Sometimes in our judicial process, mistakes occur, don't they? There are times when those who have, those who have desecrated the laws of our land, they're set free because of some technicality. It might be the case that all, it might be the case that in a particular court case, all the facts are not presented, or maybe they are misrepresented. Understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, number one, is impartial, and number two, He is infallible. That is, He makes no mistakes. Whatever judgment He meets out on the final day, listen, please, understand, we will deserve. There will be no mistakes in the courtroom of Almighty God. So, the authority of the Lord, and then by way of His attributes, as I mentioned a moment ago, He is impartial and He is infallible.
There is a second thought that I want to call your attention to in our study tonight. First, we think about the Savior who is on the throne. Let me just say this very quickly. You know, many of us have spent a lot of time reading and studying about the life of Jesus. And many of us have walked in the footsteps of Christ. We have read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we have read the book of Revelation and the pictures there of the Christ, the Son of God. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 4, you have a picture of the throne room of God. In chapter 5, there's a picture of the throne room of the Lamb. And we have read and studied about the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, to the best of our ability, sought to emulate His life. And we've tried to reach deeply into the Scriptures and better understand His Word and how it applies to us. To understand one day we're going to stand face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we talk about the Son of God, the one who spoke this world into existence. Here is the one who will judge us. And we have obeyed His truths. We've had the opportunity to pray to God the Father through the Son. We have preached, we've taught about the life of Christ, the importance of Christ, His church, the redemptive plan. We have sung about Christ, but one day we'll stand before Him. And as Paul said, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess to God. So number one, the Savior who is on the throne. But secondly, consider if you would, the summons to the throne. Back up again and look at verse 12. In verse 12, John said, I saw the dead small and great, standing before God. Did you know that the judgment of God, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's on your calendar. The promise of the judgment. The Bible unequivocally talks about the judgment seat of Christ. I can't help but think about in John chapter 6, Jesus identified the last day. You remember he said, I'll raise him up at the last day, talking about how he is the bread of life. The last day, that is the terminal day in the history of mankind. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes, he'll come as a thief in the night. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat and the earth and the works therein are going to be burned up. But God's going to raise the dead and the dead will be ushered before the throne of Almighty God. And so to understand the promise of the judgment identified by Jesus as the last day, but also it is an appointed day. You remember when Paul was in Athens preached that great sermon on Mars Hill. And the Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul identified the one true living God, the one in whom we live and move and have our very being. He is described as the one who is the giver of all life, breath, and all things. And Paul said the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. 
because He has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness. There is a day that God has decreed. The world will end and mankind, going all the way back to Adam, will be ushered before the judgment seat. Do you remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 when He talked about His second coming? And Jesus, in the narration of those events, said He would come with all of His holy angels. He would be seated upon the throne of His glory. And Jesus said, all nations will be brought before Him. That is the last day. That is the appointed day. So we talk about, first and foremost, the promise of the judgment. But what about the people who will be present at the judgment? I can't help but think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. He said that, and this is the Lord Jesus talking to the people of His day. Jesus said that the people of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation. And He said they will condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and he said, Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. He said, The queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And again, Jesus said, Behold, or indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. The Ninevite people, they're going to be there. Those who lived in the land identified as Tyre and Sidon, they'll be there. Those who dwelt in Capernaum, they'll be there. Individuals who lived in ancient Corinth and Athens. And we could just go on and on. But the idea is, individually, there will be cities from every generation. Cities that were inhabited by people present on the Day of Judgment. As Jesus said, all nations. As Paul said in Acts chapter 17, the world will be judged. And then, individually speaking, we'll be there, won't we? In Revelation chapter 1, I talked about Jesus being the king over the kings of the earth. Some of the great and powerful kings of days gone by. The Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, he thought he was something. Nebuchadnezzar will be there. Cyrus from the Persian Empire, he'll be there. Alexander the Great from the Grecian Empire, he's going to be there. And then we talk about the Roman kings, all of those great Caesars. From Nero to Domitian, they'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And by the way, Pontius Pilate and Herod, they had the opportunity to stand in the presence of Jesus and to hear the charges that were brought against him, trumped up charges, by the way. Pilate three times acknowledged, I find no fault in this man. So here was a man that stood before Jesus, rendered a verdict, gave him over to be crucified, and now this man, the tables are going to turn, and he will stand before Judge Jesus. And it's not going to turn out so well. So, the people. But now there's a third thing. 
the standard. What about the standard that will be opened at the judgment? Now again, John said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And listen to what he says, and the books were opened. The books that John said were opened on that appointed day, that final day, those books are what we call the Bible. And those of us who have lived under the law of Christ, we're going to be judged by that law, aren't we? Now, there are a lot of folks in our world today, number one, they're ill-prepared to meet the Lord in judgment. One of the real reasons is because they know nothing about what the Bible teaches. And the Bible tells us, as a matter of fact, Scripture tells us, that this is the standard by which we're going to be judged. Now, if I wanted to measure the dimensions of this podium, if I had a tape measure, I could give you the exact proportions of this podium. Now, I could guess, but if I wanted to be absolutely sure, I'd put a tape measure on it. By the same token, there is a standard, a divine standard, that will be opened on the great and final day. And it's not the opinions of man. It's not that which has been penned and recorded in some type of denominational manual. It's not in a manual of faith or a creed book, but rather it is the Word of the living God. This is a book that God's going to open one day. John said, the books were opened. Do you remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 2? Paul said, we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Now Pontius Pilate asked the question, what is truth? And Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. How well do you know the truth of Almighty God? How much time do you spend in this book? This is the only book that I know of that can guide us safely from earth to heaven. The psalmist said, Your words, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. In Romans 2.16, the Apostle Paul said that God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. When Paul used the expression there, my gospel, all he was saying, in effect, was this. That he took ownership of the Word of God. That it meant something to him. It was a part of him. We need to take ownership of the Word of God as well and to understand that one day God's going to open this book. And He's going to begin to judge us on the basis of how we've lived according to Scripture. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now, you know, if I were going to be tested this week in a particular study, I would want to make sure that I made adequate preparation. We only stand to reason that we would want to make preparation for eternity. To know that one day we're going to stand before Almighty God and give an account of the deeds done in the body. Listen to what John said again. He said, the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books, verse 13, and they were judged, each one, according to their works. You mean to tell me that how I live 
has a bearing on where I, where I will spend eternity. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Do you mean to say then that I'm going to be judged on the basis of divine truth and how I've lived my life? That's exactly what John's saying right here. This morning I talked about trying to please the Father. And I knew this morning that there would be some people that would not come back on Sunday night. They never come back on Sunday night. Never, never come back on Wednesday night. Now I understand that there are some people that have health problems. Others have a job. And there may be specific reasons why they are prevented from coming. But let me tell you what, there are a lot of folks in their mind, they believe that they're faithful to Almighty God. But that's not what the book says. That's not what the Word of God says. Are we judged on the basis of our worship to God? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Are we judged on the basis of our works in life? Well, again, the answer would be yes. Are we judged on the basis of our words? That is, how we speak, what we say from time to time, from day to day. Yes. Jesus said, by, He said, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Here's what James said, So speak, so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Every single syllable that you utter will accompany you to the judgment. If you use bad language, let me tell you what, that'll come out on the final day. If you tell off-color jokes, same thing. If you're not faithful to Almighty God, if you're not living as a New Testament Christian, if you're not worshiping God, if your life is not devoted to God, it's going to come out on that final day. Now, you know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may give an account of the deeds done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. In verse 11 he said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We try to persuade people to be faithful to God, to devote their lives to God, and sometimes it falls on deaf ears. And if that be the case, the ball's in their court. And please listen very carefully. There are a lot of folks, there are a lot of people in the Lord's church aren't going to make it to heaven. Not because they didn't know the truth, but because they didn't practice the truth. You can say you're a member of the body of Christ and that you have obeyed the gospel, but if you're not living a faithful life in Christ Jesus, you don't have any hope whatsoever. And sadly, there are folks that know nothing about what the Word of God teaches, have no concept of what it means to be a New Testament Christian evidenced by how they live. So, the standard. John said the books will be opened. I ask you tonight, how well do you know God's Word? Peter said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart, always, and be ready to give a defense, an answer, an apologetic, you ought to be able to tell people why you're a member of the body of Christ. You ought to be able to identify to your friends and family members and neighbors 
what it means to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. It ought to be the case that we can tell people why we worship God every first day of the week and why we don't use instrumental music. That's just a part of understanding the will of Almighty God. So I ask you again, how well do you know the Scriptures? It seemed to me that if we're going to be judged by God's Word, we'd want to spend some time in this book. That we would have a working knowledge. You know, there's some people that they have tremendous talent when it comes to restoring cars, automobiles. Some are just a natural when it comes to working on an engine. And they know an engine like they know the back of their hand. But they couldn't tell you the first thing about Scripture. And some of those same people might be members of the body of Christ. So, again, to understand the Bible will be opened. But then, secondly, the book of life is going to be opened. Listen again to what John said. John said the books were opened. Another book was opened. He said, listen to him, which is the book of life. This is God's heavenly register. Now your name can, your name can be recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Well, when does that occur when you obey the gospel? Well, how do I know that? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, the Hebrew writer said, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. The church of the firstborn simply means it is the church that belongs to the Lord. And then he said, who are registered in heaven. When you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, your name is entered into the Lamb's book of life. Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 20, Rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in heaven. In Philippians chapter 4, the apostle Paul talked about those whose names are recorded in the book of life. Is your name in the book of life? If you obeyed the gospel and you're living faithful to the cause of Christ, your name's in that book. When Jesus comes, He's going to open this book called the Bible. He's going to judge you on the basis of what is recorded in this book. He's going to open another book, which is the book of life, and He's going to see whether or not your name's recorded there. There won't be any mistakes. There'll be no oversights. But rather, if you're a child of God, you belong to God, God recorded your name in that book. Flip side is, your name can be removed. There are people that they belong to the body of Christ. At one time, their name was recorded in the Lamb's book of life, but because of unfaithfulness, infidelity to the Lord, their name was removed, stricken from the record. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to be ushered before the judgment seat of Christ, to have obeyed the gospel, to have known the joys of New Testament Christianity, to have been partaker of the, of the pardon that is only in Christ Jesus, to have been a recipient of the peace of God that passes all understanding, to have all these great spiritual privileges and then to turn one's back on them and to stand before God. Can't plead ignorance. Can't say we didn't know. I wonder what God, I wonder what God's going to say to the unfaithful. They knew better. Should have lived better. But they chose not to. There are a lot of folks going to be in trouble on the judgment day. Many within the church. 
Let me tell you why. Because they didn't love God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. Because they weren't seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. They weren't devoted to God enough to come and to worship Him, to lift His name up, to reverence Him on a regular basis. They pay lip homage, but they're not faithful. So what about you? Your name in the Lamb's book of life? Was your name recorded and is it still in that book? Or did God remove your name? You remember in Revelation chapter 3 verse 5, Jesus surveyed the church at Sardis. He said they had a name that they were alive, but He said, you're dead. Sometimes what the world thinks and what God assesses, two completely different things. The world may think that, you know what, you're, you're a Christian. You're a child of God. You're heaven bound. The real question is, what does the Lord think? The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Neither is there any creature that is not made manifest before His sight, but all things are naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. God knows all, God sees all. He is the one, as John said, who searches the reins and hearts and gives to every man according to his works. There's a final thought I want to share with you. It has to do with the separation that will occur at the judgment. Let's look again at what John said. I know our time's almost gone. In verse 13, John said, The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each one according to his works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Number one, who's going to hell? Who's going to be severed from the presence of Almighty God forevermore? Number one, Alien sinners. People that have never obeyed the gospel of Christ. You remember what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? When the Lord Jesus comes in flaming fire, rendering vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, sin is what will cause people to be lost. And Paul said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 verse 23. So those who have never obeyed the gospel, they're going to be lost not because they're not a good person, not because they weren't a patriotic individual, a good neighbor, a faithful spouse. No, they're going to be lost because of sin. And we don't understand the magnitude of sin even in the church today. Paul said the wages of sin is death. If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and by that I mean if you haven't demonstrated faith in the Lord and acted upon that faith through obedience, repented of your sins, confessed His name, and been immersed in water, then you're not a member of the body of Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus is the Savior of the church. They're just one church. The inference would be that anyone who's not in the church will be lost. We live in a world today, nobody wants to say anything negative about anybody. We're so afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. And we can't say this and we can't say that. Listen, the Bible says it very well. 
And if you have never obeyed the gospel, please don't misunderstand. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. But you're lost. And if you died today, you would be severed from the presence of Almighty God forevermore. Do you understand that? You ever thought about that? And then what about members of the body of Christ that go back into the world, apostate saints? The Bible talks about Hymenaeus and Alexander, Hymenaeus and Philetus, Demas. Here were individuals that quit serving the Lord. They ceased living a faithful life. Now Peter said, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after having heard it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. You remember in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31, the writer said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Here's what the writer was saying. It is a thing fearful beyond belief to step out into eternity, to step out onto the plains of eternity, separated from Almighty God, unfaithful to God. Is that your case? Is that your status tonight? Listen, you're either faithful or unfaithful. No middle ground. You know, one of the things that has robbed the church of her zeal in recent years is mediocrity. Think about that for a minute. You know, in school, if you get a C, that signifies average, doesn't it? We have a lot of folks in the Lord's church, they are content to be average. Just float along, get by. I can tell you right now, that won't cut it in the eyes of God. So you're either in Christ and faithful to Christ, or you're lost. We don't like to talk about hell anymore. People don't want to hear about it. But Jesus had more to say about hell than any other person in the New Testament. And Jesus said, it is a place of darkness. It is a lake of fire, as John said. A lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Can you imagine stepping out into eternity unprepared to meet God? What are you going to say? No begging, no pleading, no do-overs, no give me another chance, no. All that has long since passed. You're standing before the great I Am. And He's opened the book of books. And He's opened the book of life. And guess what? Your name's not there. And if your name is not there, you're lost forevermore. Let that sink in. Now, the flip side, if you're a faithful child of God and you've lived for Him day in and day out and you've done your best, well, you have the hope of heaven. You remember John said in Revelation chapter 14, 13, talking about those who had died for the cause? Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, is the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. There is, a there is a huge difference between the lost and the saved. In Revelation chapter 20, John is picturing for us the final day of judgment. Imagine the weeping and tears that will accompany that day. On the one hand, you have those who are destined 
for hell. And Jesus said hell wasn't prepared for any single person, but rather for the devil and his angels. If we lose our soul in hell, it'll be our own fault, won't it? Flip side, though, if we're living for God, if we've obeyed the gospel, and we're walking in the light, we're trying to live for Him day in and day out, God knows that. And there is the new Jerusalem, that heavenly city that He talks about in chapter 21, that awaits us. I want to close tonight by trying to emphasize this. The Lord may delay His coming for a thousand years. He may delay His coming for a million years. But there will come a day when the dead will be raised. The Lord will come and He'll be seated upon His throne. And we will be ushered before His throne. Think about your name being called on that last day. And God says, I want you to stand before me. The books are opened. And he's looking at your life in light of what this book says right here. And just imagine that that time is now. And you're standing before his throne. And he is surveying his book in light of how you've lived. What will he say to you? Will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will Jesus say to you, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire? If you're not in Christ, I beg you tonight, please do not leave here outside the Lord. Please think seriously and soberly about your relationship to God. The Bible says God commands all men everywhere to repent. Would you be willing to obey the gospel tonight? If you're in Christ, you will never regret living for the Lord. If you are someone who has heard the gospel over and over and over again, and you delayed obeying the gospel and you stand before God, can you imagine the thought? I heard the gospel so many times and I never did anything. Encouragement given time and again, I never did anything. A lot of people will spend eternity in hell and on their heart of hearts will simply be this. I wish I had just one more opportunity to hear one more stanza of come to Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're not ready for the judgment, you're not ready to stand in God's courtroom, I plead with you, please come as we stand and sing.